Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. I don't know if you ever, like, while we're singing, actually, like, really taking the words, but pretty powerful words. And hopefully today, there's nothing better than Jesus is something that just kind of rings in your head as we go through um, looking at Jesus up close and personal. That's what we've been doing the last few months. Been in a series called Jesus Up Close and Personal. And so we're going to continue that today. Um, as I've talked about before, Sunday mornings, we're going to make these times really interactive. We're going to make these times where um, God's going to use the worship team. Hopefully God uses the sermon. God's going to use you guys that we come with anticipation of really encouraging one another. And that's what the, the church should be as we're all on this journey of trying to figure out who is Jesus and what does it mean to walk with him? What does it mean to trust him? Because we're all in the same boat. And so I'm excited to do that with you uh, today. Again, if you have uh, kids from kindergarten up to fifth uh, or sixth grade or fifth grade, um, they can head out there and they can play, run around, and the teachers um, will take them through uh, their stuff out there. So we have that opportunity for you. Bathrooms, double doors in the back there. Otherwise, uh, we're going to start off as far as uh, our JQ challenge, Jesus quotient, right? Each week we have a specific kind of aspect of Jesus that we're trying to, the Bible talks about that the goal is not just to know God, but to reflect God to the world and that the church is the primary way to do that, that we reflect the life of Christ, the mind of Christ, the love of Christ. And, and uh, that's one of the ways that he kind of develops us and works in us and works through us. So it's not just knowing him, but it's actually uh, mirroring him. And that's the way to live uh, a life of love and peace and joy. So this last week was a, was a doozy. It's a good one, huh? We talked about righteous repentance. Who wants to share about that, right? Uh, the challenge was kind of daily, just allowing God to kind of, what are things that he's trying to change in you? Repentance means to turn and to change, but not just to make you a better person, but we talked about last week, right? Th- that living this righteous life, that he has a righteous life for us um, that he desires for us. And not a self-righteous, but a Christ-righteous life. So repentance, how was that? As far as, nah, I didn't want to do it. I tried it, then I stopped doing it. Uh, what was that like? Does anybody want to kind of a uh, little family time sharing right now? Repentance. What was that like? How was it for you? I knew, I know. I, I knew last week was going to be good. This week, I'm like, who wants to share about repentance? You don't even have to tell us. So one of the things that we learned, and in, in, like for me, I don't know if you guys were able to practice it, but that waking up in the morning and saying, okay, this is what you want to change in me, and then evaluating at night if that happened. Um, it's a really good spiritual discipline. It's very hard, but to start off your day saying, this is what you're trying to change in me, and then end it evaluating if you allowed them to. Um, but one of the things you'll realize is that repentance is actually... There's some things that we're confronted with. It's like, I don't want to change that. I want to be prideful. I want to be arrogant. I want to be jealous. I want to be um, rebellious here. And so what's difficult about repentance is sometimes one of those things where it kind of gets to the heart of, do we really want to? Do I want to give that anger away and let God be the judge and let God, yeah. Any other insights? Wins or struggles uh, when it comes to repentance? (laughs) 
It's always fun when nobody makes eye contact. <laughs> Remember, the goal, I'm going to push us on this. The goal is not just to come to church. The goal is not just to listen and nod. We're here to disciple. Jesus said, go make disciples. So I'm going to continue to push you each week. We're going to continue to have a theme each week. It's going to be up to you to kind of engage, right? The level of the maturity and strength of our church is not going to be in the program and the bells and whistles. It's going to be in people being transformed into the life of Christ so that we can live for Christ and impact the world for Christ, right? And so when a church is anemic in that, um, it's not because it needs better programming. It's usually because it needs a deeper commitment relationship to Jesus in order to really exude that. And so um, we're going to have awkward moments. I'm okay at that. Uh, uh, but I want to continue to push you. Come here ready to share. Come here ready to, to think about. Come here ready to, to engage. And so maybe this next topic um, will be a little bit easier for us. All right. We're going to get started here. What, what were some things um, that you shared or someone else shared that you thought was good? What are behaviors? So someone's like, man, that person's a righteous person. What, what do you think? What are some behaviors you, they would have in their life? What do you think? Yep, go ahead. Okay, kindness, purity of heart. So the way they treat people, they're kind. Pure heart, good motives, things like that. Righteous person, good. Spot on, yep. Nope, not you. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Okay, someone who's real, not fake, hypocritical. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Oh, we're going deep now. Okay. All right. We're, we're sharing some wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love it when your spouse just throws you under the boat? Because it was kind of a compliment, but kind of not a compliment. Oh, we love it. We love seeing that. No, no, no. Very good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Very good insight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So the way you judge people uh, on their fruit, not just their opinions and how those could even change, things like that. Yep. Ah, uh, they're not self-promoting. Yeah, yeah, self-promoting. Good, good. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the theme for today. It's going to be very clear. I'm going to pray. Uh, we hit some. Uh, actually, I'm going to hit some quick announcements. Pray, and then we're going to jump into the passage. We're going to be in John 13. Um, and so we're hitting the real fun, fun part of the life of Jesus. Um, to me, this is great, and uh, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, so the main point today is this. Righteousness primarily leads to a lifestyle of service. So when the Bible talks about righteousness, or Jesus is going to illustrate it in John 13, a righteous person primarily leads a lifestyle of service. That's what God would consider a righteous person. I'm going to show that. Um, 
today. But that's kind of the key theme. The key thing I want you to think about our JQ challenge this week is, as can be well illustrated, is living a life of service. Try being a servant every single day the way God wants you to. That's going to be the challenge for you. That should be better sharing than repentance. We'll do repentance again in a few more weeks. But uh, service, serving, being a servant um, is the key to righteousness or, or one of the primary behaviors that God is, is looking for. Hey, a few things before we jump into John 13, before I pray, we, we jump into this. Connection groups uh, have started. The video group started last week. The in-person one starts this week. We need to break up the numbers though. We have too many people. We're going to try to do it at our house still and uh, either do it on the same night, two groups, uh, or maybe split up nights. And so uh, a questionnaire went out. Please get that back to me uh, by today so I can then email everybody tomorrow what's going on with the group. And so just a heads up, we're starting this week the in-person one. Video group is already going. If you want to sign up for connection groups, which is basically discussing with other people and then praying with other people uh, as far as um, having that accountability during the week, but also that encouragement. You can talk to me, you can talk to Laura Lee, or you can sign up online and you can join a connection group. This is a great time to do that and get in relationships with other people. Um, also, I want to let you know, probably in the next two weeks, we're going to have an after church lunch uh, because the building now, just one building has opened up for us. Yeah, yeah. Super excited. Well, don't get too excited yet because you might not be in there. Um so here's what we have to think through is, do we prioritize the kids? I got to talk to the children's ministry as far as what they're doing. We want to we wanna really make sure our children's ministry has people in there serving. That's going strong. That's going to be key to reaching families uh, in this area. And so uh, I'm going to talk to children's ministry and I'll let you know as far as if we need to prioritize kids, getting them inside, or is it too distracting? And then we'll go inside. Um, we also talk about the ramifications as far as Mask would be mandatory outside. We've been loosey-goosey because we got food and drinks and, and things like that. Um, that's not something I'm willing to compromise inside. I feel like that's something we still need to honor those in authority, whether we agree or not. And again, we have people that are all over the map here. That's the beauty of our church. Um, but I feel like that's a little too rebellious and it doesn't represent Christ well. So we got to think about that as far as do we want to have a little more freedom out here or lose it but be inside. Um, so we'll have a discussion. I'll let you know, and we really want to hear from you. And um, and we're going to discuss it as a church, and we're going to pray about it as a church, and we'll figure out what's the best option for us. So just a heads up, we'll offer lunch. Um, we found some good restaurants Laura Lee did for us, and so uh, we're going to have some uh, some good food for you afterwards um, in the next few weeks. So I'll give you a heads up on that. Let's jump into this. I'm super stoked. Jesus, super pumped about um, this, this passage is, this aspect of your life that we get to look at, if this is it. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the vision you have for us. Um, this is the key to the health of a church. This is the key to health of a society. This is the key to the health of a family. This is the key to us having true freedom from the constraints of our own um, selfishness. And I'm just excited. I, I think this is going to bring us a lot of joy if we can get in the mindset and we can truly embrace the desires you have for us. And you're trying to create righteousness in us. Um, your goal wasn't just to save us, but your goal was to change us and give us like a really sweet life, a life where no matter the circumstances, we're stoked to wake up because of who we are and who you are and what you want to do. And so I pray that today would, uh, would do that for us in your name. Amen. Um, when you think of like the best customer service, um, what are some companies that come to your mind? Just companies that, man, they're, they're. They're just easy to work with. They're fun to work. Yeah. 
Amazon. Okay, Amazon's one, good customer service. And they didn't used to, when they first started, they didn't have good customer service. So they've improved that a lot. Say what? Really? Target? Oh, wow. Target. Costco does. Yeah. And and let me let me ask you this. Like, especially in that arena of Costco, there's another company that's like them that has, do they have good customer service? No, not the one by us. <laughs> They will walk by you without even looking at you as you're trying to chase them down like you don't exist, right? Um, but you think about even like restaurants, like um, like when there's uh, a survey, the top ones in restaurants are Chick-fil-A um, and In-N-Out, which are really interesting. And, and those are the lines that are probably the longest of all the restaurants, right? In the airline industry, you know, the number one with customer service and satisfaction, everybody said it, Southwest. Yeah. What's interesting about not all the companies, but I was looking at a lot of the, the corporate companies and in different industries that are the top customer service. A lot of them were started by Christian families or Christian owners. And I don't think that it's a um, it's by luck that there's a purposefulness of being servant minded, great customer service and the impact of that, when you have good customer service, people enjoy buying your product, they enjoy being there, they'll rave about it. No matter, And if you have a good product and bad customer service, people don't want to go there. What if the church, and I wonder, what's the church's customer service like? Service-minded, helpful, with a good attitude. Some of us are servants, but we're stinky in our attitude service. I'll pray for you. I'll forgive you. I'll do this. I'll help. Oh, you got to move. Oh, Jesus. I wish I wasn't a Christian right now. I'll help you move, right? Now, we don't do that because we've learned how to have a smile and have the Christian ease. Like, oh, God bless. I'd love to help you move. But inside, right, we're just so angered by you that you're moving and you asked us, right? We see this as far as, again, chapter 12. One of the reasons we're going through John is you got to, some of us read the Bible and we miss the context. We read one verse and we misapply it or we misunderstand God because we don't understand the whole Bible. We have one verse. So God disappoints us then when that one verse doesn't come true or we misapply it and it doesn't work out. So we're going through. So John 13 is set up by John 12. Remember, John 12 is a comparison of self-righteous or false righteousness with true righteousness. Who was that? Mary and Judas. Remember that Mary messed up, got angry at Jesus for not showing up when she wanted him to show up to heal her brother who was sick. And what Jesus, uh, he didn't show up, but that's because he wanted to do a greater miracle. Why heal a sick man? Why don't I heal a dead man? How about that? Well, she couldn't comprehend God doing that. Have you ever done that? You can't comprehend how God's going to work in your life or you can't comprehend, right? And so then you begin to doubt him and God's like, don't doubt man. I got something greater than you can imagine. And so, uh, so he raised her brother from death to life. And her response to that was she broke a jar of very valuable perfume. It'd take one year's wage. I don't know what you make. 24,000, 50,000, 100,000. Imagine your yearly salary. You have something so valuable and you break it over the feet of Jesus. You sacrifice, you give that out of a thankful heart. By the way, that's called generosity. When I lack generosity, usually I lack an awareness of God's grace and power in my life. So if you want to become more generous, don't just try to be a nice person. Give more. Understand the grace and generosity of Jesus. You'll automatically become more generous, generous with other people in your life. And so, but that's not part of the sermon. So anyway, um, so Mary does that. 
Now, here's the thing. Who had the false sense of righteousness? And that was Judas. And again, that name conjures up always he betrayed Jesus. But remember, before he betrayed Jesus, he was a disciple. He looked more righteous than Mary. But it was a false righteousness. And it was a self-righteousness as far as, and what is self-righteousness? Self-righteousness is where I have this uh, appearance of morality, but it's self-promotion. Self-righteousness promotes you. True righteousness promotes God. Right? And so, so we see this contrast. Now Jesus is going to illustrate the epitome of a righteous life. Because some of us think a righteous life is what you don't do, right? You're a righteous person. You don't drink, smoke, cuss. You don't, 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 you know, all these things. And so we kind of have this imagery of a righteous person is just like, they're just so moral. And, and there's an aspect to that. Yeah. But here's the thing is you got to remember the reason. And this is why we worked on repentance. The more you repent, the more of a servant you can be. We get distracted from serving people because of our own sin. Why? Because sin destroys and distracts us. When I'm an angry person, I tend not to serve other people. I want them to serve me and they people annoy me. When I'm enslaved by lust, right? That my greatest desire is that maybe this, that, that physical attraction, sensuality, and sexuality. I'm distracting me from God. How wants me to serve someone that day because of the sin that's just filling my mind. If I'm a greedy person, all I want to do is make more money. All I want to do is work more hours and, and money and stability, right? Is the key to life. Then I'm going to miss out where God wants me to not make as much and maybe serve here, be in this ministry here, take time out there. Hey, do this. And so the reason God wants us to repent is as he, as he works on the morality, it sets us up to be ready to be a servant because sin is a distraction from what God truly wants you to do in life. That's why he hates sin. It distracts you from living a righteous life. Not just because you're bad, stop doing that. It keeps you from righteousness. And we talked about legal righteousness and relational righteousness last week. I'm not going to go into it. But once the legal is taken care of by the blood of Jesus, there's still a relational righteousness that God wants to live out so you can closely walk with him. Jesus is going to illustrate now the epitome of a righteous life in John 13. Here we go. Verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, we're going to illustrate what true love is, what true righteousness is. This evening meal was in process, and the devil had already prompted Jesus, the son of, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Uh, by the way, just so you know, in this culture, that's not something... Uh, a, a, a Jewish man, especially, or really any person would do. Um, and it was viewed as something that it's it's really the attire of back then, someone who was a slave. And you got to remember back then they had two different types of slaves. Some were from war. And so it was brutal slavery. But a lot of them were people who um, they didn't have um, banks back then that did a lot of credit like we do now or where you can get loans. And so you do it from rich people. And if you couldn't pay it back, you then worked for them or your kids. And so they would literally sell off their kids or families or aunts and uncles. And it was crazy. And so that you could become a servant, it's called an indentured servant, right? So he took on the attire to illustrate. Remember, Jesus is illustrating something to you today. We dress up 
in order to look a certain way. And Jesus dresses down in order to make a point here. He also does something that would be shameful in that society for a Jewish man to do. But again, he's trying to illustrate a point. After he did this, they had to be stunned as far as what is he doing? Verse five, it says, after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. You got to remember the feet of people back then. It's not like today. We get the manis and the petties, right? We wear nice socks. We groom, we clip. Back then, um, we drive, right? And so if it's dirt or mud, we have a car. Not back then. You walked in the mud. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been to a country that's primarily agrarian or a third world country. Uh, I've done a few mission trips in India. And when you're walking with sandals, you're going to step in something that's unintended. There's no way around it. I've walked out there in the boonies out there and you just can't avoid it. Your feet smell. They're nasty. This tells you something about God. This tells you something about God, the heart of Jesus. We can't miss this because some of us want to keep the nastiness and the things in our life away from God, that he'd be repulsed, that he doesn't want to get in there and clean things that you can't clean. You can't clean certain things in your soul. You can't clean certain things in your mind. In fact, the Bible says we're born with a sin nature. All of us are inclined to rebellion towards God. Just pick your poison. And some of us are good at hiding our poison. Others of us, we like to throw the poison out there. But we all have a poison in our soul that rebels and it's dirty. And this causes problems in our world. That's where you get the addictions to cover that up, the pain of that. Maybe for some of us, we go overboard and we try to look super moral, even though there's all these hidden things there to give an appearance. And so now it's the stress of, I don't know if you've ever been stressed uh, back when you were a, a kid. Uh, those of us that live a little bit of a double life. I grew up in a quasi-Christian home. And so I had to, the stress of like, I'd go and leave and sneak out, go to a party. And then I had to figure out, brush my teeth, put on deodorant, spray all the stuff that was happening at that party off and then try to get home. And I, and it was a stressful life. And every time my mom talked to me, I'm like, oh, does she know? Like, why would she ask that question? And, you know, and it's just like this stressful life. And some of us, we don't grow out of that. We just do it well as adults. And it's stressful. Hiding sin is stressful. And we think God doesn't want to get in there. He shows how loving he is. No, no, no. I'll wipe that dirt. I'll get in the crevice. I'll get the things that you're like, it's so embarrassing. It's so, no, just let me get in there. Man, this, this, this passage is the gospel. This passage is God. And he's trying to show us the life of a righteous person. And so he washes their feet. He comes to Simon Peter. And whenever the, the Bible talks about Peter, you know something crazy or dumb is going to happen. That's Peter's one dude I can't wait to hang out with in heaven. He said to him, Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? And he said, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said, no, you will not wash my feet. Look what Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. This is really important. This is where when it comes to righteousness, you can only be truly righteous through Jesus. It's really, really important. Anytime you try to live out your own righteousness, being like, I can be a good person apart from him, the Bible would say that's actually impossible. And so there's a participation there where you have to be washed and cleansed by Jesus to truly live the life that God has for you, to truly live a life of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, all those fruits of the Spirit. It comes 
through allowing God to wash you over, allowing him to forgive you, allowing him to wash you clean, but not just your legal forgiveness, right? Where all your sins are legally forgiven, but also let him continually wash you and clean you. That's the beauty of repentance. It's a cleansing. We're so afraid of the very thing that cleanses us. He wants to get in there and change us, our hearts, our souls, our intentions, our motives, our behaviors. And sometimes we're so resistant, right? Like Peter, don't get in there, Jesus. is like, no, no, no. Let me wash you clean because otherwise you have no part with me. Well, then Peter goes overboard as he always does. Well, then Lord, just not my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a bath, Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, that's my, I put that in my Bible there. Jesus rolls his eyes. I like to write little things in there. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. And he's referencing uh, Judas, right? For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. By the way, Peter thinks that it's a big deal that Jesus is washing his feet. And what Jesus is trying to illustrate here is, no, 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 no. I'm trying to go to a deeper principle. The physical always illustrates the spiritual. God cares about the spiritual. So he's saying this isn't even about foot washing per se. This is about you seeing a physical representation of what needs to happen spiritually. I care about a clean heart. So like when we take communion, taking communion doesn't make you spiritual at all. It's the heart of receiving the forgiveness and the washing of your sins away through the blood of Jesus by what he did on the cross and thanking him. To do it without the right heart means nothing to you and means nothing to God. So physical represents a greater spiritual principle. And Jesus illustrates this. He says, listen, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you as an example, as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. That word blessed just means to be happy. Like we try to over-spiritualize blessed. Literally in the Greek, it just means you'll be happy. He's trying to give you a, a pathway to happiness. You see, a righteous person is actually a happy person because they're living as God, uh, the way God has intended them to live. And he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you live the life of a servant, you will be happy. Now that goes against everything that we've grown up with because a happy life is other people serving you. A happy life is move up the ranks so you're the boss and other people have to do what you want. A happy life was when other people are taking care of you. And what you're going to find with Jesus is usually the opposite of whatever you think the pathway to a blessed life is or a good life or a happy life. It's always the opposite. And what we're saying is a truly happy life is the one is where you serve. This is the ultimate of a righteous life. He's illustrating it now. Saying my goal is to have you repent so that sin is not a distraction so you can live out a happy life and that's where you Enjoy serving others the way God has served you. How many of us wake up 
and you can't wait to serve other people. It's usually not on the forefront of our mind, right? Or we get frustrated when other people don't serve us the way we want them to, right? Our expectations, maybe in the house. Why didn't they do that? Oh, I do so much. I know none, none of us think that way, right? I do so much. Now, what he's saying is he's not saying to serve in order that they'll serve you, right? He's not saying you serve the way you see. He's saying serve others the way I have served you. This is why it's so important that you let God wash your feet do you see how God washes your feet? Do you see where he cleanses you? Do you see where he serves you? Do you see where he provides for you? The more you reflect on how God is actually a great servant, the more that releases you to go and serve others. So he's saying, first look at me. Look at the way I serve you and clean you and love you. And now go and you serve others. And that's, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. There's a freedom there. Because if other people don't meet your needs, what you realize is God will always meet your needs. But with that, there's also an exciting community when you're around a group of people that everyone's serving each other. Imagine coming to church and people trying to outserve each other. How can I help you? What can I get for you? What like that would be a great church to go to. I don't know if you know a church like that. Let me know. You know, that'd be Right, Think, I mean, because that's why I like going to Chick Fil A, or like I, I like using Amazon. I like because I know I'm gonna be. Imagine, imagine the power of a church is that a community looks at churches saying, "Man, I can't wait to go there because every time I see one of them, they're helping, they're serving, and they're doing it with a this attitude of love. They're happy, they're blessed." But it's hard for us. It's hard for us to let people serve us. And some of us, the reason we lack with serving is because you won't let others serve you. God's brought people into your life to love you, to pray for you, maybe even to provide for you. No, 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 don't. I'm going to do it on my own. And that's that American, right? Do it on my own. I'll pull, pull myself up, you know, by myself. You know, I don't. And what happens is that that's a detriment to you as far as you're not going to know how to serve others unless you allow God to use other people to serve you. So by you refusing that, you actually hurt your own ability to be used by God. Let people serve you and let that inspire you to go and serve others. Let God use them and then let God use you. I had an incredible opportunity. As I talked about India before. Um, we were going literally to villages out in, I mean, this is out in the boonies. Uh, people never seen, um, we're in areas where never seen a white person. In fact, the kids would come up and they'd wipe off my skin because they thought that the whiteness needed to be rubbed off. So they would touch, you know, at first they were touching me. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? You know, like, no, they're just, they've never seen. So they're trying to rub it off. Like, is that real? Is that crazy? But we were able to um, go there and, First, we just wanted to serve them, talking about clean water, talking about hygiene. We didn't come with the gospel first. We just came to say like, hey, can we share some things with you that might benefit um, you and things like that? And um, they're very gracious and they would all stop farming. The kids would stop whatever they're doing. And they would just literally, I can't imagine that here where you just stop whatever you're doing, but that's the way they did. All right, boom. We got people here that we've never seen before. They look like aliens. Let's get together and let's see what they have to say. And, and then we'd say, can we talk about religion? We'd ask them. 
right? And what do you believe? And what are the different things? And they all wore these bands because it helped ward off evil spirits. And so they'd make these things and they'd wear them. And that was to protect them at night because there's lots of visions of snakes or they're actually real snakes that would attack them. And so that would help them. Imagine creating something and that's your safety. That's your hope right there. I was blown away where I was able to, to, to just share basically how God impacted my life. And then, you know, the gospel, just this is, hey, there is a God. He loves you, he created you and these things don't work and you can have hope and he can really help. And um, so we would spend time with families, we'd share, and then we'd just hang out in the villages and things like that. And I stopped by this one house and the family was very scared. So they kind of stayed in the back, but the dad came out and he goes, I, I like what you said. And he goes, it rings true. He goes, evil's very scary. And this is, you know, using a translator, but, you know, it's basically saying like, I, I, I know that what we believe is not true, but it, it's all we have. It's tradition. But I know it doesn't work because we're constantly living in fear and, and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And so. Um, so I just decided to use this passage. Like literally, I want to encourage you, try to copy Jesus, like read the gospel and copy and just see what happens. And I said, can I do something for you right now? And I said, um, can I wash your feet? Now I knew that was a big deal because you don't touch when you go to India, you don't touch people that way. They're like, we'll, we'll see people. And even people we kind of don't know, like shake their hand or hug. No, you don't do that. They have boundaries there, right? They have, they have boundaries. And, um, and he said, no, oh, no, no, no. And, and here was the big reason why too, is because they have a class system still today, whether they say it or not, or whether they promote it, or not, they have a class system. Well, we were reaching people that were called untouchables, which means people felt like they were judged from previous life because of karma. And so they deserve what they, they got. So you don't help them. They were very poor. And, um, as white people, they viewed us as above even their highest class. They viewed us above and because we're educated and things like that. And so in his mind, no, you can't touch me because you're in a different class and I'm untouchable. I'm, I'm a piece of garbage. Imagine being a kid and you grow up and just because of your last name or the family you're in, you're judged because of you did something bad in the previous life. Imagine what you would think about yourself, that you're a piece of dirt, that nobody's going to touch you, that the society doesn't care about you. We're not going to give you any health care. You deserve what you got. Maybe some of us don't even imagine we feel that way. We, we judge ourselves that way. This is where Christ brings freedom. And, and, um, and I said, do you, want a f- do you want forgiveness through Jesus? He goes, I do. I do. And I literally just said this. I said, you won't be able to experience his love if you don't let me wash your feet. I go, Jesus wants to wash your feet. This is a culture, again, dudes don't cry in public. Does not happen. He starts bawling. This is a man older than me. I mean, this is an older man bawling. The family starts walking out. They're stunned. One of the missionaries that's with me gets me a basin. I wash his feet. This man is heaving. I'm getting emotional just thinking about right now. Like, I'll never forget it. And then I read him the passage of what Jesus did. And I said, now that you've been loved, God wants you to go love others this way. Don't live in classes anymore. You live in a whole new way. You're forgiven. You're a son of God now, and you live that way. You're not embarrassed of your last name. You're not embarrassed. You drop all that. You are now adopted. He's forgiven your sins. And I go, I know he's already forgiven your sins. I just want to illustrate it to you. And he, he told his family, everybody, and this is a cultural thing, so don't you know blame it on me. But he's like, everybody, everyone's becoming a Christian. So he commended his whole family to come out. And they all became Christians. They're like, all right, let's do it. 
So we got to baptize a whole family. What's cool about that story, though, is I was able to do follow-up because the missionaries do follow-up. And this was the, the village, the first time they can ever remember where um, a home church was started by this family in that village. Why? Because when you serve others, that's when they truly tangibly get the love and grace of Jesus. And it's where we see it and feel it, not just hear it. And we need to see and feel things, not just hear it. Blah, blah, blah. God loves the world. Blah, blah, blah. Let's show me a church that can't wait to serve the poor, serve the homeless. What do you need there? We'll take care of your kids there. Single parents here. What in society can we do to illustrate so that when we preach the gospel, it makes sense to me. Like, oh yeah, you guys lived it. Yeah, totally. I understand the goodness and the grace and the power. It's a righteous church. It's a righteous people illustrating the righteousness of God, not self-righteousness where we do it on our own and we don't cuss and we don't smoke and we're so good. Those things, if they're a distraction to us, I'm going to stop it because I want to live a focused life to be a servant. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? We serve others because the way God served us, some of us only serve others the way they treat us. And that's where we stop. You're not truly a servant. When you're a servant of God, you'll learn to be a servant of others. And when you've been served by God, you'll have, you'll be blessed to go and serve others because if they give you nothing, I have everything in Christ. So my family, if my kids don't serve me the way I want, my spouse doesn't, I have everything I need in Christ and whatever they don't give me, God will give me, or I don't need it. And I can continue to serve out of love. Today, what I want to challenge you with is a couple things. One is, do you allow God to clean the dirt in your heart and soul through other people or through the word of God? Or do you just say, I don't want that. Don't get in there. I'm embarrassed. Don't touch my feet. Don't get, I don't want them to know. Here's the problem. As Jesus told Peter, if you don't allow him to, then you'll have no part of him. You'll always struggle in your walk with God. If you want to live for God, you first must be impacted by God. For others of us, we let God wash us and we let him serve, but then we don't go and serve others. We think that the culmination of Christianity is God serves me and then I'm just happy. No, no, no. True happiness is go and serve others the way God has served you. So here's my challenge to you this week is, can you listen and watch for opportunities to serve Jesus? Might be in small ways. Like this is where my wife is amazing. My wife inspires me by the way she serves, and it was illustrated this morning, but she just does things. She just does things, and she makes it a great home. Don't underestimate the small ways you can serve your family. Just this morning, I woke up, and normally I have to make my own coffee, and it's not this arduous process, but it was just cool. I woke up this morning. The water was in. The filter was in. She thought about me to where all I had to do was push a button, and it just it's it just a great way to start off the day. Like I know it sounds like you guys like, this is the dumbest illustration ever. But I felt, here's the thing is, when you serve, people feel loved. And then all of a sudden there's momentum in their life to go and love and serve. You know what I mean? You build this momentum. It seems so small to the disciples of why would you strip down? And like, this doesn't seem like what God does. But God does small things that have big consequences and impact. So next week, I expect way better sharing than this. Repent. And I'll give you a pass on repentance, all right? I know some dirt, dark, dirty things you guys are like, I ain't sharing in front of everybody. All right, I'll give you a pass. 
I'm excited. I'm telling you, I'm excited to see the stories we're going to share and how blessed you are and how blessed others are. I don't want Amazon and Chick-fil-A having a better reputation than the church of Jesus. That's wrong, right? When people think of being the servant, they should think of churches. Now, I'm not just saying access. They should think of that's the body of Christ. But let's start here. Your JQ challenge, as Jesus said, do as I have done, right? He says um, that I've set this as an example for you that you should do as I have done. Go and serve others as God has served you. We're just going to kind of think about that. We're going to sing some songs. The, the worship team is going to come up. And, um, you know, communion is a great illustration for us, reminder for us the way God serves us. That he went to the cross on our behalf, though we deserve death. He took that death from us. And because he's an eternal God, he can die and rise again where we don't. We're mortals. But he conquered death to give us confidence that, listen, you don't just live for this life. You live forever. This life, we're just here to serve, to bring as many people as we can into the love of God, the righteousness of God, so that we can be with him forever. And so communion reminds us of the sacrifice and the service of Jesus. And I hope that inspires you. You can take communion during any part of worship. I'm not going to do any kind of religious thing where I bring it to you or anything like that. Um, But here's the thing is uh, you can do it with family. You can do it with friends. Maybe uh, as we take communion today, you can ask each person if you take it with someone, hey, what's God doing in your heart? Or maybe you guys could pray as you take communion. Just thank God. I know, but just allow that to encourage you this week. Jesus, um, I pray that we embrace you being a servant in our lives. That's hard for us to think that God serves me. But you don't serve us as spoiled brats just giving us anything we want. And that I think that's the key thing that you do, God, is we're not serving people's expectations. We're serving people's needs. We're not serving people as far as what they're demanding of us. We're serving what you're requiring from us, Lord, to help them. So God, I pray that we'd be inspired this week, that we would be blessed. We'd be happy. We'd be stoked to serve. And we would see the momentum that brings in our own hearts. We see the momentum that brings in our own families. We see the momentum that brings in our own church. And God, I pray most of all that we just reflect you. That when people see us in the way we serve, in the way we help, the way we do the small things, that'd be like, I see Jesus. And that'd give us the opportunity then to share Jesus. And it makes sense to people to bring more people to you that need healing, that need cleansing, that need hope in their lives. We worship you now with thankful hearts. In your name, Jesus, amen. Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon.